Thank you for listening to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast, located here in Pasco, Washington, where lives are still being changed for Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy it. church once again with you this evening hallelujah we do welcome you on live stream we also invite you for tomorrow night amen if you're able to come come join us praise god if you have your bibles the book of genesis chapter 37 genesis chapter 37 we want to jump into a very familiar portion of scripture. It's found in verse 12. I'm going to read a few scriptures, so bear with me. If you have your spot tonight, you can say amen. In Genesis 37, verse 12, the Bible says, And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not your brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come and I will send you unto them. And he said, Here am I. And he sent them to him. Go, I pray you, that whether it be well with thy brethren and well with thy flocks, bring the word again. So he sent him out of the vale to Hebron and came to Shechem. And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What do you seek? And he said, I seek my brothers. Tell me, I pray you, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, they are departed hence. I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brothers, found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And he said, they said one to another, behold, here comes the dreamer. Come now, therefore, let us slay him, cast him into a pit, and we will say some evil beast has devoured him, and we will say what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, that in the wilderness he may uh, uh, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid of him out of their hands to deliver him into his father again. Verse 23. And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brothers that they stripped Joseph out of his coat of many colors that was on him. They took him, they cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. They sat down to eat bread and they lifted up their eyes and looked up and behold a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spice tree and balm myrrh also going to carry down into Egypt verse 26 in Judah said unto his brothers what profit is it to us if we slay our brother and conceal his blood come let us sell him to the Ishmaelites let now our hand be upon him for he is our brother in our flesh, and his brethren were content. Verse 28. Then they passed by the Midianites, merchantmen. They drew near and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. Let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you. God, we come before you once again by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, God. We pray tonight, God, that even this day, you would open our hearts, God, cause us to see, God, what is going on, not only in this text, God, but what's going on in our own hearts. We thank you, God, for all that you've done this far. We thank you tonight, God, all that you're about to do, God. We pray that our eyes may be fixed upon you, God, and we thank you for all uh, that you're about to do once again. God, we are careful to give you the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. I want to preach a sermon I've entitled, From Pit to Palace. 
Because how many know throughout the Word of God, there's so many stories that can encourage you and I. I don't know about you, but I need encouragement in the day that I live in. Hallelujah. To live for Jesus 22 years plus, how many know there's a lot of discouragement that can come with that, amen. But yet to understand the God that you and I serve, amen, work in the lives of men and women, whether it was in the Old Testament or the New Testament, amen, that even in times of experiencing struggles, difficulties, or even setbacks, that you and I can look at men like Joseph, amen. You and I can turn to the Word of God and begin to be edified. Once again, amen, here we understand the Bible says that Joseph is given a powerful dream, amen. Thank God, amen, that the Bible says that he would put vision and dreams upon young men and old men, amen, and old people. Can you say amen to that? But yet in the midst of this, it takes a sudden turn, amen. Here's a young man, no doubt, with potential. Come on. Here's a young man, no doubt, with purpose and destiny. And God quickly begins to move upon his heart and his spirit, amen. But yet, all of a sudden, things begin to take a detour for this young man named Joseph, amen. Things begin to go sour. They begin to go left very quick. Amen. Can I say something tonight? Do not let the detours of life sidetrack you from where God is taking you. Amen. Don't let them bring you to the left or nor to the right. Amen. But we must stay the course. How many are with me? We must continue. How many know uh, that longevity uh, in the kingdom of God uh, is something good, amen? That we can set it in our hearts uh, to say, you know what? I'm going to serve God for the long haul. No matter come thick or thin, amen, good or bad, that you and I, no matter what, uh, are going to continue to serve God with all that we have. This was a picture uh, of this young man named Joseph, amen. All of a sudden, though, but things uh, take a turn for this young man's life. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. Verse 6, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Can I tell you, uh, when we allow God to direct our paths, how many know He's taking us somewhere. Hallelujah. When we allow God, amen, not only to direct, but to guide and to point the way for you and I, amen, that is a good thing. The problem is, is that there's so many people, amen, in life's difficulties, they begin to go their own path. Oh, come on, somebody. They begin to think, well, if I tried this way, but isn't that the reason why you walked into the house of God in the first place, amen? We've leaned on to our own understanding, and it's brought us to a dead end. Come on. We leaned in our own ways, and it brought us to destruction. But yet the scripture shows you and I not to lean on to our own understanding, but on God. I'm going to first look at the promise. In Genesis 37, verse 5, the Bible says, And Joseph dreamed a dream. And he told his brothers, and they hated him even more. In Genesis 37, verse 7, the Bible says, For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheep arose and also stood upright. Behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obstinance to my sheep. You would think right here that no doubt, amen, his family would be excited for him. But that was not the case here. God was pointing Joseph to a promise. Amen. We sang that song, uh, Promise Keeper. Come on. Amen. That's the God, amen, that you and I serve. God is faithful to keep his end of the bargain with you and I. The question is, uh, are we willing, amen, that even when life doesn't go our way. How many figured it out by now that life doesn't go our way, amen? 
We knew that as sinners, but the problem was that it drove us to the bars. Come on, somebody. We knew that as unbelievers, and the problem was is that we went out and got plastered. We went out and got crazy, but how many know it, man? Now we are able to be and stay in the presence of God and continue in His path and His ways. You would think that His family would be excited. How many remember the day... That you got saved. Who were the first people? Come on somebody. That you witnessed to. It was your loved ones. You wanted to so badly. See them experience. What you are experiencing. Amen. And how many times did they say. But Frankie. It's because you were crazy. And we were not. Come on. How many ever heard. It's because you needed Jesus. Yeah that person needs Jesus. Uh, But not understanding that we all need Jesus. And so I got saved and God began to do a quick work after he restored my family, my marriage. And uh, I remember that I was already doing Bible studies and it was uh, one of the first years of being a new convert. Man, I got invited to a family Christmas party. And we would gather all in my mother's house when she was alive. All the family would come over. And it was nice, you know, aside from the drinking, they would go out into the backyard and do their own thing. But my sister that year said, Frankie, are you going to be able to come? I said, yeah, of course. I said, but if I can ask you a question, can I possibly do a Bible study? And she says, "Uh, yeah, I guess. I said, it's on the meaning of Christmas uh, and it's about God, amen, and what God has done in his love. She says, yeah, not a problem. And sure enough, uh, I'm there and I bring my own little podium. Come on, somebody. And I set it up in front of the living room. And they're all gathering around. You know, uh, you could smell Christmas in the air. Hallelujah. And, well, tamales if it was in my house. Amen. And the champurado. Praise the Lord. Amen. And, uh, and, and sure enough, they're all gathered there. And I'm thinking, what an opportunity. God, you're good. And so I began to preach to them. It wasn't a Bible study. They didn't ask questions. I preached to them, amen, the love of Jesus Christ, amen, and how Jesus shed his blood on the cross. But the only person missing in that living room was my younger brother. He was off in the kitchen drinking his beer. As I did a small sermon, probably about 15, 20 minutes, and all of a sudden I pulled an altar call I have my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother-in-law. Come on, somebody. They're all responding. They're all getting led in a sinner's prayer. And lo and behold, my brother is in the kitchen getting drunk and he's upset. Here his family is getting saved. Amen. Here his family is turning to Jesus Christ. Amen. At a time, come on, where the Spirit of God. Christmas is a good time. Hallelujah. There's a different spirit when you go to the malls. Amen. Hallelujah. And so here he is. He's upset at the fact that I'm preaching. Time and time again, he would be the one that say, can I have a moment with my brother? Why do I always have to speak to your Jesus when I talk to you, Frankie? Why do you always have to bring the word of God supposedly into our conversation? Because I don't know about you, amen. God put something in me, amen, that the world didn't give me. And the world can't take it away. And I wanted them to experience what I was experiencing. There was one year he called me. His marriage was a mess. Oh, come on. That's why we need to stay the course. They'll call you. They might call you something else when you first get saved. But they'll give you a phone call after a bit. And he didn't want to hear what I had to hear or speak to him concerning what God can do in his marriage if he only surrendered his heart to Jesus. Can I tell you that he stopped talking to me for five years? And in those five years, he divorced his wife because he really wanted me to say, yeah, she's a bad woman. Leave her. And they had their problems. But me and Abigail had problems. Come on, somebody. And I was trying to bring that to the table to share that God restored our marriage. And he didn't want to hear that. And so five, five years, he didn't want to talk to me. 
When I was pastoring in Chicago, uh, I would call my mother's house and he would be there. And I would say, put my brother on. She says, Mijo, he doesn't want to speak with you. And it broke me, but I understood it, man, that I knew I needed to stay the course because not only did God put something in me, but again, as I said, I wanted them to experience the same. Some people can begin to speak of this text of Joseph and all of his pride and, you know, being a young buck and no doubt trying to rub it in their face what God was doing in this life. But I see the bigger picture, amen. I see a young man, come on, with excitement. I see a young man that was given a dream by God. And he wants his family to understand, guess what? God's going to do something in our lives, amen. But that was not the case. How many times did I pastor people that would come to me and say, you know what, I liked you better the way you used to be. How many had convert church or people you're working with, amen, that would say that? I remember my family hated what I used to be. And when they tried to pull that card on me, I said, what did you like? The Frankie that was getting your house shot up, what did you like? The Frankie that was drunk and I was messing up the program. Come on, somebody. I remember they used to tell Abigail, you know what? You can come with the kids to the birthday party, but don't bring Frankie with you. I mean, this is my family. Come on, somebody. But yet, how many know if you didn't invite me even more, I'm going to show up. Amen. <laughs> That's just the way I was. But when I got saved, amen, it continued in the same direction as they continue to say, you know what? We liked you better the way you were. This is what we're seeing in the life of this young man. The Bible says in verse 8, and they hated him even more for the words that he spoke. Oh, come on, somebody. They may try to ignore you. They may try to dodge you. Come on, somebody. They may not invite you, but how many know, amen, you're not out there glorifying your life. You're glorifying the Christ. Hallelujah. You're glorifying the living God, the one who saved you, the one who snatched you out of hell, but also the one that's put a dream in your heart. You see, in the years that I've been saved, I believe I said that during the week. I've had the opportunity to pray with my parents, my siblings, all of my siblings. Are they serving God? Uh, no, many of them are not. I did both my mom and dad's funeral when she died in 2012 of cancer. Sharing with pastor, it was a miracle in itself. When doctors told her two months to live, God gave her over a year plus after I took her for Pastor Mitchell. I said, if I can just get her to Pastor Mitchell to pray for her in California at a crusade. And so he did a year plus more. She gave her life to Jesus. She lived more and gave her life to Jesus Christ. Amen. But through the years is what I'm trying to say. Amen. They may not be bowing down to you, but they will be bowing down to your God, can you say amen? Because the Bible says that every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that is what Joseph was bringing before his brethren. You see, those opportunities, amen, as we live for God, for the long haul, amen, is those opportunities, amen, not only to be a testimony, but to allow God to use your life, amen, to fulfill the dream that he's placed in your heart. How many are with me? I want to secondly look at the pit. You see, the pit, amen, was a place of no water. To see the promise, amen, come through in Joseph's life, uh, this young man needed to endure some things. Come on, somebody. It would be Paul who would speak to a young preacher and say, yeah, Endure hardships. How many know we don't like to hear that, amen? We want that the kingdom of God, amen, is a lily prance through the park. Come on, somebody. That the word, amen, in the will of God, amen, is going to be a road that's paved in an easy way. But how many know that is not the case? That if we're not careful, amen, that's what we preach. Oh, come on, somebody. 
that we want people so badly to come to church, you know, uh, and we say, hey, you're going to be blessed, uh, and God's going to help, you know, and, and God does. Don't get me wrong, amen. But the main thing always needs to be the main thing, amen. Our relationship uh, with the living God, amen. But yet hardships come, uh, amen, and people come into the kingdom of God, uh, that it all is going to be lilies and roses and yet experience hardships. And the Bible speaks about this. The cares of the world, the Bible says. And all of a sudden, they're back out in the streets. And all of a sudden, they're saying, that Christianity doesn't work. Because as soon as I begin to go to church, all of everything begin to fall apart around me. But how many know that's the pit? That's the pit that you and I, men as Christian men and women, uh, must endure. To think, amen, that this would be the life uh, of this young man. How many know he wasn't having a good day? Come on, somebody. We talk about 2020, amen, a year from hell. Come on, somebody. With all that's happening, uh, he wasn't having a good day. And he wasn't having a good year. As a matter of fact, amen, you can fast forward the life of Joseph. It would be 20 years. Listen to what I'm saying. 20 years that he would be living in the pit. You're probably thinking, well, the Bible says that the Ishmaelites came by and they took him out. They sold him into slavery. So he was out of the pit. But spiritually, his life would continue in the pit. He ends up in Potiphar's house, a high-ranking officer. We understand that Potiphar's wife, she's not even given a name. Potiphar's wife has the hearts for this young man. No doubt we know it's an assault from hell. And the Bible says, amen, that Joseph makes a righteous stand. I love what he says. He says, I will not sin against my God. In other words, amen, he judges sin. He calls it what it is. And so he runs, amen, and we understand that there's an accusation against this man. He ends up in a prison. Now, how many know he could be scratching his head and say, I'm doing what's right, but why am I in prison? Come on, somebody. I'm making righteous choices. Why aren't things going my way? Why aren't things going the way I thought they were going to be? Did not the preacher say my life would be blessed? Did not the outreach leader say that it's all going to be good after you give your life to Jesus? That's not the gospel. Oh, come on, somebody. That is not the gospel. Jesus said in this life, you will be offended. That in this life, you will have troubles. That in this life, there's going to be no doubt things that would come against you, amen. But we must be willing to endure in those times of the pit. To think that 20 years, amen, he would know how his brothers had betrayed him. I mean, the, the story almost sounds comical. They say, wait, 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 wait a minute. Let's not kill our brother. But let's jack him up by throwing him in a pit. Come on, somebody. Yeah, wait a minute. That's just as bad. But yet, no doubt, here's a young man that could have lived for 20 years thinking, you know what? Payback. Come on. Isn't that how we live in the street? What goes around comes around. Don't let me catch you slipping because when I see you on the boulevard, come on now. It's on like Donkey Kong. Hallelujah. But that was not the case with Joseph. In Joseph's life, you see betrayal, you see accusations, you see offenses, but yet here's a man that's able to endure the pit, I believe, amen. If we endure the pits of life, amen, we begin to see the promises, hallelujah, and that is where God is taking you and I into the promised land. The Bible says a land that's flowing with milk and with honey. And that is a promise. Why? Because when we get to heaven, there ain't no more pain. Come on. There ain't nobody backbiting you. Hallelujah. There ain't nobody trying to offend you. Come on. There ain't nobody trying to hurt you. Hallelujah. There ain't nobody betraying you. But how many know that's the promises of God that we're after? How many are with me? 
You see, Jesus showed you and I that he can endure the pit when he endured the cross. You never do a Bible study on the cross and the statements that were made at the cross. I mean, you find about seven statements, and it's a very good Bible study in Sunday school. And, and, <laughs> tremendous. But when you think of Odin's statements, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now, how many know that when someone's hurting us, we don't want to see that? Jesus says, pray for your enemies. How many know that when somebody's assaulting you, when somebody's offending you, when somebody has violated you, come on, somebody, you want payback. You say, wait, wait, wait a minute, man. This is not the way that it is supposed to be. I was working in Mesa, Arizona as a driver. And there was this guy, he was a, what we call it a Jack Mormon. He was, can't say he's backslidden because he was never saved. The Mormon faith can't save you. But he's a Jack Mormon. He rebelled because at 18 years old, uh, he didn't want to go on his mission. You know, they're forced to go on their mission. You have to. And he told his parents at 18 years old, I'm not doing it. I ain't gonna, and, he, and they kicked him out of, his, uh, out of the house. They said, you're not going to go on your mission? You're out. And sure enough, he found himself in the world. Obviously, he was raised Mormon, knew nothing else. But he was pretty jacked up. But this was a young man that I could say God used to test me, but to also bring some patience and some mercy and some love uh, inside of this man. And I remember there was times I'll be working with him, and he would constantly want to fight with me. I'm thinking, what's up with this dude, man? And we're moving some furniture into a house, and he wanted to just manhandle it. It was a big piece, and, you know, we were going to be working all day. You got eight to ten stops, and you kind of want to save your back, and you want to work smart, amen. We got hand trucks. We got dollies, four-wheel dollies. We could place it, roll it in. Not a problem. We won't scratch it. Well, he began to curse me out. He began to call me names, and obviously I'm not going to repeat what he said. And he got down from the truck. He says, you know what, Frankie, me and you, come on, man. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And he would do this time and time again. And I knew that, it, one, it was an assault from hell, but I believe it was also a test. And I remember that he came to a place that he got his girlfriend pregnant, and they even ended up having twins. And I remember telling my wife, I said, you know what, honey? I said, why don't you uh, buy his newborn twins a gift and I'll take it to work this dude hated me man. I mean he wanted to punch me out if I got close enough to him he probably would have and there's times in the cab he many times tried and so sure enough I pull up on on a, on a morning he's waiting for me warming up the work truck and I bring a little bag you know women they put things in little bags Thank God for Dollar Tree, right? <laughs> and um, he looked at me and said, what is that? I said, that's, that's for your twins, man. He said, are you serious? I said, yeah, man. I just, me and my wife uh, just wanted to congratulate you and your girl. I didn't even know her name. I said, uh, but uh, for your kids, you know, she bought them a gift. And things shifted at work. He said, I'm going to know that's what we're called to do. But I'll be honest, yes, let's give God praise, amen. I'll be honest. There's times I went to work, I felt like I was going to the pit. It was dark in the warehouse, we called it the dungeon, but it felt more like a pit. In 1 Peter 4.12, the Bible says, Behold, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials, which are to try you, as though some strange thing has happened unto you. In verse 13, the Bible says, But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. In other words, the next time we are going through something, amen, it shouldn't catch us by surprise. The next time we're going through something, amen, it's not the opportunity to complain. 
The next time we're going through something, amen, understand that Jesus, our Lord, suffered way more than you and I can ever experience here. But yet the Bible says that we have an opportunity to use that, amen, to give God the glory. Can I tell you, sinners know when you're suffering. They just want to know what you're going to go do. Oh, come on, somebody. Sinners know when you're hurting. Sinners know when things, amen, are happening in your life, amen, especially, amen, of those of your household, sometimes even your family, those that are close to you, but they want to see the decisions that you're going to make. They want to see if you're going to curse God, but is it not Job's wife? And again, I understand, here's a woman, that if we're not careful many times, we can be insensitive to Job's wife. But she did say to curse God and die. Because she was going through some struggles. But yet Job, the Bible says that, that he did not sin with his lips. Come on, somebody. There was times he did complain. Why was he even born? 42 chapters. There was accusations from some of his best homies that showed up on the scene. Come on, somebody. Job, you had to have sinned. If not, you wouldn't be going through this. But not understanding that, that it was a trial to glorify the living God. Amen. It was an opportunity in Job's life, amen, so that God can get the glory, amen. And we know the story of Job. Our question is, what do we do? And again, we all come from all walks of life. And I said it's Sunday night, we all have a story, amen. But yet, what do we do, amen, as Christian men? And women in the house of God. You know what I think about when it, Joseph's life? Is that Joseph kept the right heart. Because he continued to serve in prison. The Bible says he interpreted dreams. Now I don't know about you, man. He could even say, you know. Child is with you guys, man. Y'all stay in your corner. I'll be on my corner. I'm not going to be interpreting dreams. But yet, he continued to interpret dreams. You know what that tells me? Is that he continued to serve. You know, today's generation, we break a nail, and I ain't going to church, Pastor. I, <laughs> oh, no. Forget about that. Car breaks down. No, no, no. I'm not going to make it. We got live stream now. And thank God for using on live stream. But if we're not careful, well, you know how many times I heard as a pastor? I just want to be left alone. Oh, come on, somebody. Joseph could have said, you know what? I just want to be left alone. I am going through some stuff, preacher, if you only knew. But yet the Bible says that Joseph continued to outreach. doesn't say that, but he did. Amen. <laughs> he continued to witness. He began to share what God is going to do, amen, and what God wants to do uh, through people's lives, amen. Uh, he didn't let the struggles and the pits of life cause him to miss church. Come on, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. To be in the presence of God, because the Bible does say where two or more are gathered. Christ is here in the midst of us. Come on. There's a young man. Well, he's a little older now. When I came back into Chandler Church, he's a very close friend of mine. But I remember that he was going through, uh, his wife backslid. And he was doing so much to get her back in the house of God. But she wanted nothing to do with church. She wanted nothing to do with the people of God. She just went full out into her sin. But this guy used to come with his two kids. He was so faithful. And he had two toddlers at the time. Two diaper bags wrapped around his neck. He would be suited up. He would be dressed up for church. So were his kids. And he was always in his seat, faithful to the house of God. And me and my wife, we always spoke about that. We said, man, he's so faithful. Look at him. We knew that he was struggling. There's many in the church that reached out to her. She said, hey, leave me alone. I want nothing to do with the church. Just leave me be. You fast forward. Years have passed. She made the decision and she left him. She divorced him. She went out and did and started her whole life. She took his kids with her. And so you fast forward, man. He was single for many, many years. 
It wasn't his choice. He fought so hard for his marriage. But yet, uh, he continued to serve God. And then all of a sudden, he gets remarried. He was married a few years. Obviously, I was on the field. And then I come into the Chandler Church back in 2017. I came home. And uh, I see him. And he begins to share this story with me. He says, so obviously, you know that me and my ex, while well, we got divorced, uh, and you knew the situation when you were here. And I said, yeah, I know exactly what took place. And he tells me, you know what? But it gets a little bit worse. He says, now in my new marriage. He said, and the reason why, he says, no, it's not that nothing to do with my, my new wife. He says, I pay child support, he says. And he says, and for whatever reason, he says, I'm always good on my payment. But during that week, it almost seemed like the payment came late and he had to go to court that week. And as he went to court, they ended up, because she told him, hey, he hasn't paid. And she gave the story to the judge. And before you know it, they're arresting him. And they're bringing him into the Phoenix jail now. They didn't want to hear his story. They didn't want proof that he paid. They just took her word. And obviously money hasn't been deposited yet. Whatever the case may be. But he ends up in jail. Now, to make the story a little bit longer, like every Mexican does, <laughs> he didn't have papers. And I'm going to know that as soon as they found out he's, he's illegal, they transferred him to ICE. So now ICE in Phoenix is detaining him. And so in his mind, he's got a new wife. He's been married a few years now. He's got stepkids that he loves as his own, her side, obviously. And um, he's about to get sent to Mexico. And so he is there and he says, Frankie, you know what I begin to do? I begin to pray. I begin to get a hold of God, he says, because I knew that, that I really needed a miracle. But he says in the midst of all of this, he goes, I was not the only one detained. He goes, there was many detained by ice. And he said, and if you heard the wailing and crying in those cells, because people know that they're going to be shipped south. They're going back to Mexico and they're going to lose everything or wherever they, they've come from. They're going to lose everything. But he says, you know what, Frankie? I begin to pray for people in jail. I begin to pray for people. We gather together as much as we could. I begin to minister to people because I knew that I had a hope and they did not know my Jesus and I continued to witness to them. And he says, and sure enough, uh, he says, the day comes. Uh, they got me shackled, legs and arms to the waist. He says, we're in the line and we're making our way to a bus. And all of a sudden, he says, they stopped the line. And he says, there's someone on the side of me and they're crying. And I begin to minister to them before we get on that bus to go south. Uh, and he says, that all of a sudden, I hear my name. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm in trouble because here I'm speaking and I'm in line and I shouldn't be speaking. He says there's two guards. They're arguing amongst each other. One guard turns to him, calls him by his name. He says, you come here. And so he walks all the way to where the guard is at. And he says when he gets to where the guard is, he says, listen, you're going home today. And they, they, they took him to a room where they held him. In that same evening, he was with his family back at the Chandler Church. Can you say amen? Now, I understand that this may not happen in all circumstances. But you know what I think about? I think about Joseph. That here's a man that didn't stop serving. That he had every excuse to say, you know what? Forget about all this, man. Where's God anyways? He had every excuse to build his case, but yet continued it, man, especially all that's happened to him. Pastor Campbell always says, survive people, because that is something that's needed in the kingdom of God, man, that we can't easily be offended. Why? Because how many know that if we're going to make it to the promise one day, it's because we're able to survive people, things that have happened to us. Things that have come against us, amen. Pastor Campbell always says, keep a right heart. 
Now, I understand it sounds simple, but to my spirit, it's profound because I know that even as a minister, being burnt, come on somebody, being hurt, being betrayed, being violated, being spoken about, amen, people having me for dinner and yet I'm not even there. Come on, somebody. Pastor Campbell's words echo all the time. Keep a right heart. You want to make it for the long haul? You want to survive the pit? You want to survive life in itself? Survive people. Survive the pit. Keep a right heart. The reason I minister this, because how many know dreams are good? I understand. I used to have a convert, and he used to have some wild dreams, and he always wanted me to prophetically interpret them from. I said, bro, you just probably ate too late, man. You were empachado when you went to bed, you know? That means full, you know? I was a new convert. God restored my marriage. We got a small little apartment. God was doing something. And I remember one night having a dream. And in that dream, I would say probably about a little under two years saved. And in that dream, I remember waking up and I'm, I'm excited and, I, and I'm, I'm tapping Abigail and I'm sharing. And thank God for good wives. Amen. She encouraged me. She says, you know what? God's going to. God's going to see that come to pass. That's going to happen. You know, she spoke some words. You know, I just wanted to get a confirmation from my wife that it was just in me just being prideful. But in my dream, I was in an auditorium. While I was in front of a crowd, there's a pulpit. Again, I'm not a preacher at the time. I'm a Christian, of course. And um, there's an audience, and the audience, it was thousands of people. And I'm behind a pulpit. And I got a microphone, but in the dream, what excited me so much is that to the right of me was Pastor Campbell and Pastor Mitchell sitting side by side, the only two on the platform. And I remember I shared that with my wife, and I knew, amen, by that time, of course, that was called to preach the gospel, amen. But yet, I, that was exactly the picture I saw. And I remember that we fast forward years. I've been pastoring for the second time. And I remember that when I came to conference, you know, we give reports. When we're pioneering out there, they picked me for a certain night. They said, Frankie, we want you to give a report of what God's doing in your church. And so sure enough, uh, I'm giving a report. And in that dream right there was where God once again deposited because our Chandler Conference is over a thousand plus people. The auditorium in the Chandler Center of the Arts is packed. And when I looked over to my right, it's Pastor Campbell and Pastor Mitchell. Exactly the picture that God had deposited in my heart years and years before, amen. But it gets better because there's a sister, amen. In our church, she was a church photographer, amen. She would take pictures of our revivals. And she came to conference that year with her husband. And sure enough, the next weekend when we get to church on Sunday morning service, we got a, a bulletin board and we put pictures on it. I think you have them over here. Pictures on it. I always tell them, be, I want fresh pictures, amen. I want pictures of people backslid up there, you know what I mean? But when I came to church that morning to go to prayer, the picture that was up was the picture of my dream. I'm standing there, microphone in hand, hope it almost looked kind of like this, Pastor Mitchell, Pastor Campbell. Let's give God praise, amen. We need to hold on to the dream. We need to hold on to what God had deposited in our hearts, amen, as young babes. I'm going to close tonight with the palace. Because I'm going to know that in life you could be two types of people. We can be bitter people or we could be better people. Two types of people. 
And I believe because Joseph kept the right attitude, a right heart. Think of the Meshach, Shadrachs, and Abednego's in the book of Daniel. The Bible says that these are young men. They're teenagers, amen. They're on fire for God, amen, but yet they also get cast into the fire. They get cast into the furnace, but yet these young men make a statement that even if God doesn't respond at the time we want Him to, we are still going to serve Him, and we're not bowing down. So yet, this shows us, amen, that these men were the real deal. That these men did not get bitter. These men did not get upset. And we understand the story after that. There's a fourth one. Jesus steps on the scene. And through that powerful testimony, amen, we understand that the king gets saved, amen. amen. The king gets right, amen, because of these men. I want to look at the palace. Romans 8.28, the Bible says, And we know... That all things work together for good to them that love God. How many love God? Amen. Amen. To them who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now we can be encouraged by that scripture. But how many know that scripture didn't exist or wasn't around? I believe they existed in heaven. Amen. God's word is eternal. But it wasn't available for Joseph in a prison to read. Oh, come on, somebody. Since we're so crucial, amen, we get into the Word of God. It's available to us. But if we're not careful, we just use it as a chair saver. Come on, somebody. That's a whole other sermon. <laughs> we just use it as a doorstopper, right? It's dusty up on our shelf. Or if we're tired and there's no way, sometimes we, can, we start reading. Okay, all of a sudden we knock out, right? I'll leave it right but this word right here, this scripture, was not available at the time. But yet it's available to you and I that we can look at the writings of the Apostle Paul and says, you know what? It is going to get better. You know how many times I've had to encourage my wife. Let's be those good husbands. Amen. They're looking to us. I had to encourage my kids. God's going to get us through this. I remember when my mom passed away. We were doing a haunted house there in San Diego. And I went to go to the store to get some snacks. And I knew she's been sick. We've been praying. We've been believing God. Because as I said, the cancer came back aggressive. So it came back aggressive. So we knew that something was going. We kept praying. We kept believing God. But then I get the phone call. And getting that phone call, I can remember, I didn't even purchase anything for the haunted house, the snacks uh, that evening, because the phone call came saying my mom passed away. And I remember going back to the house, and I remember seeing the face, uh, or my wife's face, and she knew. My wife has known my mom at 16 years old. That when her mother threw her out, my mom took her in. And I remember she looked at me with no groceries in my hand, and she said, Frankie, what happened to mom? I said, she just passed away. And I remember the shout, amen, and the crying I would hear in my living room. But yet, it was scriptures like this. Come on, somebody. That through thick and thin, amen, and all that happens in life, I needed to be there for my wife and my kids. When my son began to say, why, Grandma? She was such a good woman. I said, listen, she's in heaven. Listen, the Word of God. I mean, scriptures just started coming out to minister to my kids, amen, at a very crucial moment of time. Because easily through all of what was going on, I seen her go from a certain waist size all the way down to somewhere where I didn't want to see her but kept laying hands on her. I couldn't easily blame God. But I chose not to because I understood she was right with the Lord. And I understood, amen, what Scripture says. And I needed to be there for my kids, amen, during those pit moments. You see, if we're ever going to see the palace, those are the moments that you and I must endure. You see, the Bible shows us, amen, that Joseph was not forgotten. Oh, come on, somebody. Can I tell you tonight, you're not forgotten. Joseph was not forgotten simply because Joseph 
did not forget God. Amen. Joseph didn't dip out and disappear and do his own thing. No, Joseph stuck it through. Joseph kept his eye on the palace. Joseph knew the pit, but yet understood the promises. Can you say amen? And this book right here is filled with the promises of the living God. The Bible says his promises are yes and amen. That even when we're going through something, come on, that we can still keep a right attitude. That even when things are not going our way, we can still be in church. Come on, that even when we're struggling, we can be outreaching, lifting up, witnessing, edifying somebody that may have it worse than you do. That's the story. Genesis 41 verse 38. The Bible says these words, the spirit of God was noticeable on the Pharaoh. That's powerful. That is powerful. Pharaoh didn't say, uh, no, nah, man, Joseph act like a devil. <laughs> Where do he come? What church he go to, right? <laughs> Who his pastor? <laughs> come on. But the Bible says, no, when Pharaoh, think about a heathen man. When Pharaoh saw Joseph, the Bible says he saw the Spirit of God. And can I tell you, life does get better. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm not here to discourage you, but I am here to encourage you, amen. That life does get better, amen. And we see that unfold, amen, in the life of Joseph. The Bible says that he becomes second in command to Pharaoh. Oh, come on, man. They give him his own chariot to ride in. Dropped. Hello. <laughs> come on. Shiny. Well, spinners, whatever's. That's not in no more, right? I say words, my daughter says, Dad, that's not in no more. And whatever's. Stick to my old words. Because sometimes I say things, they're like, what does that mean? <laughs> Got you. You see, the road that leads to the palace is Pitt Boulevard. Come on, somebody. That there's no way that we can't go a different direction but travel that boulevard. Because that's the boulevard that's leading to the palace, amen. The Spirit of God was noticeable unto Pharaoh. Joseph went from the pit to the palace. That is exactly what we need to be reminded of, amen, especially in the hour we live in. Let's bow our heads tonight. You've just listened to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast located here in Pasco, Washington. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you come back for more.